and welcome to the Pro Advice Business Podcast Series. My name is Ben Lidichke and today I'm going to have a discussion regarding some trends in the ag sector property market. Just a bit about Pro Advice. We help family business prosper through integrating strategic business advice and accounting services. To hear more about the topic for today, my guest is Lachlan Polkinghorne from Pro Advice, who, like pretty much ever since I've known you, I've always seen you have a bit of an interest in this area, whether you're a frustrated um, rural real estate um, rep or what it is, but uh, I know you've always had a passion in this area. Hello to you, Locke. G'day, Ben. And um, maybe not a real estate agent, but maybe a frustrated farmer. Indeed, indeed. Excellent. And uh, just to start with, like historically, rural property values have been generally based on the current or the potential income of the property, and this would incorporate the land, infrastructure, or its water attributes. Um, is this still the case? And uh, can you provide any rules of thumb in this area? Well, certainly the values we talk to will, will always quote uh, various benchmarks and they might be DSC per hectare, how many dollars per tonne are produced on average or uh, uh, in the northern, northern Australia area, uh, dollars per cow area. So there, there are some benchmarks here and, um, and I think they're really more to represent what's happening in the inter industry rather than to be used on an on a individual basis. Sure. Um, and do you have any insights at the moment? There's a bit of excitement in the uh, rural property space. Um, is this just a supply and demand issue or what's driving this trend? Well, it is a supply and demand issue, but it's certainly really quite hot at present. And there's some great opportunities for people if they want to sell some land, uh, as, as we see it. But uh, the drivers really, I think the primary driver, certainly domestically, has been reduced interest rates. And uh, just understand clearly that it, if an interest rate re moves from 3% to 2%, then that's a reduction of 33% in the interest bill to, on, on, on any uh, asset which might have borrowed money behind it. So suddenly that becomes very, very attractive to people who, who are in fact in the position to borrow money. Excellent. So reduced interest rates is one of the um, things driving the trend. Is there anything else there that's uh, keeping the excitement in the real estate market? Well, absolutely. It's con that factor is combined with commodity prices. And we we've had a pretty good run over the last four or five years across the board. If you set aside the impact of the, the northern east, eastern states drought, uh, southern producers and western producers have had a pretty good run uh, with prices. And this has created the demand. It's also in turn, uh, it's self-fulfilling in that balance sheets have, have uh, improved markedly with in, increased values. So there's some very strong balance sheets around. Now, quite separately to that is the fact that uh, the drought has, has uh, meant that people have looked south to buy land and on a reduced uh, climatic risk basis. So we've seen a supposed premium in that, land, in that land as well. But even just as an aside, yesterday I had a great example conversation with a producer who's a dairy farmer, a large dairy farmer. We had a conversation about the capacity of land to produce grass on a dry matter basis. And if you look at it there, some of the high rainfall country, in fact, might be a bit cheaper than the mid-range country. And also one other thing considering there could be the cost to buy versus the cost to lease. Is that also something that's driving that purchase behaviour? The cost to buy lease uh, ratio in many instances at present, the, the 
cost of funding land is much cheaper than leasing. Now, I've never, across my working life, I've never seen this scenario. And so that is often used as a reason to, to buy land when people say, well, we're going to get some capital gain, capital growth on top of it. So whether that's a, a, a passing phase or, and, and meaning that lease prices um, might in fact uh, <coughs> move, I don't know. But, um, but certainly that's in discussion with producers thinking about buying land that is in conversation. Indeed, and I reckon there's also a bit of uh, fear of missing out there that usually goes on with a lot of this um, uh, demand in various things. So yeah, people just uh, need to be, feel like they need to be in the game somewhere. Absolutely. Indeed. So what are some good things to consider when investing in rural properties? And this comes from a business perspective. So how, how do you know if it might be right for you? Well, I'm a great believer in looking at it individually. So horses for courses rather than necessarily considering the benchmarks that we might consider on a dollar per DSE basis or, or other benchmarks that are, are named. So it, it really, the question needs to be asked, you know, does it fit into your overall strategic and uh, business plan? And are you expanding from a position of strength? Occasionally we come across clients who wish to buy the neighbours and have got an opportunity, but in fact their business is quite thin. And it's very difficult to explain to them that, that uh, in fact, they, they might be jumping into a very hot frying pan if they borrow a lot of money to buy the neighbours. What we find, though, was generally add-on opportunities uh, generally do come out very well in terms of uh, adding them onto a current business. So I always see that there's a great opportunity if you can buy a neighbour where you can spread your overheads. Uh, rather than buying a property some distance away where you in fact just double your overheads. I think the other factor that's really important is you need to decide what your strategy is and whether how much risk you're prepared to take and, and whether you really want to focus on growth or whether you want to focus on protection of the asset base that you already have. And uh, with uh, within that discussion, there's also a discussion about what are you buying? And I've often commented to my group of clients that I think the best quality land is often the cheapest. And uh, I think we're, we're, we've seen that over the last few years, that uh, good quality land uh, doesn't necessarily always bring the premium that it should, and poor quality land brings a bit more than it should in the market. Indeed, yes. It's uh, very true that with that scale, it might, if you're not profitable before you get bigger, um, maybe you might be profitable when you do get bigger. So yes, um, understanding the profit drivers in your business and how well you're going is a pretty good determinant of um, whether to go forward with something. So also with how do producers and um, farmers um, become land purchase ready? This also links back to the last question that you asked Ben. And the first is to have a very clear family strategy if it's a family business. Make sure the family on, are on board and, and there is agreement uh, to the direction of the business. Uh, we often come across businesses, not always, but often come across businesses that say they want to expand and maybe do have an opportunity, but they haven't really prepared their business to become what I describe as land purchase ready. And that means making sure that you've got a very good idea of values around the district uh, that you might be considering purchasing uh, in, making sure your financial records and budgeting are well up to date, and making sure that you've, you've got a good relationship, not necessarily finance approved, but a picture and understanding of what, the, what your financier might, uh, might give you and might not give you. 
The fact is with land, particularly in the current environment, is that you might have to move very quickly to retain an opportunity. And I mean, quickly might mean 24 or 48 hours. Uh, so the ultimate question here, Locke, uh, is so are we in a rural asset bubble? I think we're testing the upper levels of profitability at the upper levels of threshold and, and things that can happen very quickly in agriculture and they usually happen for left, from left field, despite the fact that many of us try to have a, a very working, a very good crystal ball. So, and we've seen this in the, both with the immediate issues with trade and also associated with the, with the wool market at present, where we've seen wool prices halve over a period of probably 18 months, two years. So anyone that's purchased land based on somewhere near the prices of wool uh, back in 2018, early 19, uh, is certainly going to be feeling the pressure. So we know that a correction in commodity prices is going to test highly leveraged businesses. So, so my my view is is that uh, is that uh, we should add-on opportunities still uh, should be considered and considered very closely, uh, and uh, any, any opportunity should be considered. In fact. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we need to make sure that the, and the conversation needs to be around the risk and the risk to the, the asset base that uh, you use in the first place. So I, I'm, uh, I am concerned that uh, a lot of debts become intergenerational debt uh, and therefore uh, there, there, there may be some asset over, overvaluation. And um, so I'm, the pendulum for me uh, is in the position where where the job's getting pretty hot. Excellent. Thanks, Locke. That's pretty good, providing some good insights there regarding the trends in the ag sector real estate market. You're welcome, Ben. Excellent. So ultimately, it's best to obtain professional advice in this area to determine what might best suit your situation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. For, for more information, please refer to our website, which is www.proadvice.com.au. In the meantime, keep well, keep safe. Keep talking, keep connected and think abundantly.